Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Bill Lane. Welcome to More Than a Club podcast for episode three of season two. I'm your host, Bill Leahy, along with Coach Marty Cuprian, and we are thrilled to be with you for our third show of the season. Joining us, one of my former players, someone I'm very proud of, has made all of us here in Philly super proud, our man, Matt Rambo. Matt, welcome. Uh, thanks, Coach. Both of you coached me with Dukes and LaSalle, so... It's an honor to be on the show with you, Coach Leahy. This is wild, right, buddy? I know. It's been a while since we got to sit down at a table and talk. You're not going to uh, call me anymore with uh, offensive advice. <laughs> right before the state championship, he calls me. I don't like your two-man behind-the-goal thing you got going on, Coach. I said, coach now. I said it was offense before you were born, Matt. Easy, Tiger. Yeah, they won. They won. I saw some <laughs> games. I was giving them some, some stuff to do, but they had it in the bag. We got to trust them. He always comes up big. Have you guys coached against each other yet? LaSalle versus no, SCH? We have not. I think we were going to do a scrimmage or something, but I think I was away, but he's, gotcha. uh, he's out of the game now. He spared me. It's all Lucky. good. All right, so Coach Coop, help us with this uh, Chef Rambo. You guys always talk about it. I'm out of loop. I'm old. <laughs> I don't get it. Help me. Yeah, I thought just a fun place to start uh, as we kind of talked to Matt about his background and everything he's been through. Uh, his nickname right now is Chef Rambo. I wanted to ask if, if that's like a real talent, a total joke, uh, or just something you're uh, you're just having fun with. I'm just having fun with it. It started out as a joke, kind of. I used to t- take pictures of my mom's cooking, and I'd just be like, <laughs> Chef Rambo. And everyone was like, oh, my God, this is great. Then I got you know asked by a lot of people to cook for them, so I kind of had to learn really fast. And um, it actually became like a hobby now. I won't say I'm the best chef in my house right now. I think Blaze Reardon is uh, better than me. He cooks more than me, and uh, he's been doing it a lot longer than me. But, you know, it's a definitely a hobby. Um, I, I cook a really good steak right now, which I'm really proud of. And, you know, I'm a thick guy, so that's what I like about it. But it's actually fun, and it's some skill that I think everyone should learn how to do. Instead of going out and ordering food, it, you actually feel so rewarding after you cook a good meal and you can treat other people and just see some smiles on their faces. And I come from an Italian family, so you kind of have to be ready for that. Love it. Well, that's a great a great message to start with. So um, we're really looking forward to talk more with Matt today. Obviously a star, professional lacrosse player, also a high school coach, and does a ton of coaching with youth. So it's good to see him with his old coach uh, and Bill. Uh, we'll let you get started with our conversations with him. Sure. So our youth sport hot topic, which we cover every week, um, I wanted to focus on youth playing other positions. So while you're a young player, it's a chance to experiment a little bit. We talked last week with Taylor Ray about this, where I had so many guys in my later years come to LaSalle, and I'd say, so what do you do? He'd say, well, I'm a right-handed midi. And I'd say, get in line. I got 16 of those guys. <laughs> so what else can you do? So Matt, thoughts on this for parents and youth oh, players yeah. who are listening? I mean, I, I do clinics and camps all around the country all year round. It's kind of been my second job besides playing professional lacrosse. And just giving back to the youth is something I love. And, you know, one of my goals in life is just to grow the game. So I think it starts with the youth programs. And believe it or not, I started as a goalie in first and second grade. And I loved it. And, you know, but when you're at youth lacrosse and I play for Abington Lacrosse Club right in the area that – 
you know, we played all positions and I got really good at playing offense. And, but I always tell the kids at the clinic, like you can be the best attackman, but when you go to college or high school, there's always guys that are older in front of you. And I always give this example with Jared Bernhardt. He's the best player of Maryland lacrosse. When he says he was a freshman, he came in as an attackman, but we needed him to be able to play somewhere. So we put him as a midi, and he had so many points as a midi. He would take his man behind and invert as a midi, and he would draw so many slides. So I always tell my kids, if you're an offensive player, quote-unquote, then you're going to be able to have to learn all the spots on the offense, up top, behind. And I think that goes to how I grew up with playing because when I grew up playing, I played midi, and I played attack, I would get back on defense. Um, it didn't matter where I played, and that's how my dad and how youth lacrosse should be taught. It shouldn't be – shouldn't know your position after you're a second or third or fourth grader or fifth or sixth. You should be able to learn all the positions to see where you do the best at all the time. So, for me, it was just figuring out what it was. And, you know, for me, it was offense. So, I just took the offense. But when I went to LaSalle with Coach Leahy, I was taking faceoffs. I was playing midi. Then he would put me at attack. He would make me go all the way to the end line to ride the ball or, you know, clear the ball from the end line. So it didn't matter what position you played. It's just you have to be able to play all position. And that's what makes lacrosse. It's a beautiful sport just to be able to learn how to play so many positions, which also I think about um, is about if you learn other positions, you get better at the position. So if I learn how to play defense as a fourth and fifth grader, but I'm actually going to be an attackman, in seventh and eighth grade, and I convert to attackman, I knew how a defenseman is going to play me because I was taught all the time how to play defense. And now I'm going against a defenseman that I already know what a defenseman is going to be as an attackman, I think really helps out. So for me, play all positions, see what you, you know, really are good at. But at the same time, do what you love. Like if you're really good at attackman and you don't like being attackman, then try midi out or try defense. It's, you know, you play the game, one, to love the game and have fun, not just to be the best. And that's kind of my message is to have fun and try all positions. And to know your position, right? So why I admired your shooting and your dodging. I loved watching your ride. Right. That was like your hunt time. You beat on me, defenseman, for right. the past 30 minutes in this game. I get two, three, five seconds to ride you down, hunt you down, and give it to you. No, that Once was we the taught best. you how to get ahead of guys and turn them, oh. it was fun watching you eat. That was kind of like the first time it was, you know, you told me how to be like a safety. And just, you didn't tell me the one handed check or take away. You're just like, you get in front of them like a football player and you just turn them back and make them throw the ball. And that was the best thing I've learned. And that's kind of what we do in the pros now. I'm not – the riding game in the pros is a little bit different. It's everyone's so fast and strong that the only thing we're going to do is try and keep the ball on the defensive side as long as we can so the shot clock is down to maybe 40 seconds or 35 seconds instead of giving them a 50-second shot clock or a 45-second shot clock. And all we have to do is just turn them back and make two or three throws. And, you know, our coach is like, you know what, that's a good ride since this, uh, the stick work is so good now. It's, uh, you know, I started at LaSalle. It was fun. All the drills. <laughs> oh, stick work, stick work, oh, stick work. I'm a Baltimore guy. Which brings me to an interesting insight. Uh, you know, I would say to folks, when you're an offensive player at MIDI, let's say, and it doesn't work out your way, because so many guys were good at LaSalle, and you're right. a third or fourth midfield and you want to get on the field, of course you can go be a D-MIDI, especially if you're fast or you have good feet or you're tough. But if you came in as a D-MIDI and your stick was already shaky, th then where do you go? 
you're kind of toast. And same with the college level. You get re outside of the exceptional athletes. If you were to go to college to say Maryland as an omitty, and yet you get around all these other offensive guys, and all of a sudden you're not on the top three, four midfields. Right. So now you got a shot at D midi, and maybe you find a home there. But if you come in already shaky, and D midi's your spot, and you don't succeed there, then where do you go? I don't know. Home. It's, yeah, you go back home. You pack your bags, but. Uh, you know, the stick work is such an important thing, and I think it's getting away from, you know, we're talking about this youth lacrosse topic, and um, when I go to work with third and fourth graders or fifth and sixth graders in the club level, you know, I put the seventh and eighth graders towards, like, a middle school kind of level where their stick work should be great, but, you know, we're working on so many fundamentals these days, and, you know, I'm doing a clinic for three hours at a program, and I'm teaching them how to throw and catch overhand. It's 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 surprising because I remember when I was little at ALC or if I played Dukes or when I went to LaSalle, you know, it was all always overhand throw or catch, you know, pass the ball around. And, you know, Coach Leahy taught me all man up. You have to throw the ball in a right pass right next to the person's head. Or if you're going to throw it at the feet, the whole man up's messed up. And I'm just confused nowadays why – you know, everyone's throwing underhand and a sidearm when they should just be doing the fundamental and basics, just like all NFL quarterbacks practice now. Yeah, remember some of our drills? It wasn't stick work right to your ear. It was so it doesn't hit the plastic. Right. It shouldn't make a sound as right we in the pocket. Yeah, yep, that was fun stuff. Great job with that. Uh, we'll roll right to uh, how to be a great teammate. Talk a little bit about culture building and um, on the ride up here with Matt, we talked about the PLL and having different uh, backgrounds in the locker room and um, different characters kind of come together as one uh, on a professional level, which was cool to hear him talk about. And then we talked about the Maryland and the Terp fam and, right. you know, your family and other families and being connected to your brothers from uh, the University of Maryland. So we'll get to LaSalle later, but if you could expand on the Terp fam and then you know, the PLL and anything related to being a great teammate. Yeah, sure. We'll start with Maryland, which uh, I think our culture in Maryland just harps on how great of a culture Maryland is. And I totally agree with Coach Tillman and all the alumni and coaches that have been there in the past that really build it up. And I'm super proud to be a part of that organization and team. And the culture is just so – so unbelievable close. It's like a fraternity brotherhood. That's what they we call it. And it's absolutely right. It is the closest thing to a family that's not a family that I've ever been a part of. Um, I was telling Coop earlier um, in the car ride how my parents and about like 15 of the Maryland parents all go to the beach in one big like 26, 30 person shore house for the weekend like every month. And that's how tight to culture it was and if there was a one o'clock game the parents would be at the parking lot at eight o'clock game and it wasn't for them to like party and and everything it was just for them to hang out and have fun and it wasn't even really to talk about the lacrosse game it was just to talk about you know their family and what they're doing and you know it was it was a true family and it was shows that how much people care about each other through you know uh relationships so I was super, you know, happy with all that, and especially being in the locker room, our cultures, you know, you always have your right guy and your left guy at the next, your, your back or your whole team. So we're always so tight, and that was one of the things why I went to Maryland was when I went to visit so many colleges, and when I went to visit colleges, we were allowed to go out with the colleges. It was a different time period. I'm old now. And uh, 
when I went to different colleges and got to see, you know, kind of like a nightlife and kind of, you know, hanging out and just check out what they do without the coaches around. Sure. Which is fine. You know, there wasn't drinking involved. We would just go out and with, you know, a sponsor for the night, a freshman, whatever, just to take care of us. So we'd go out and just see what, how it was. Some teams had clicks. Some teams were just one team together. And that's what really caught my eye with Maryland is like everyone's out together. Everyone's at one house. And then there was other schools that I went to where there was the freshmen at this house or their dorm. And then there was the sophomores at this apartment. The seniors are at their house. And that's kind of one thing that I didn't like just because I think as a team, and I think it comes from LaSalle, was you guys take care of each other. And Coach Leahy, Coach Ress, and Coach Forster was my coach um, at the time. And he said, when you guys go out, you guys better have each other's back and watch after another each other. If there's one guy behind, you're going to mess up everything. So if there's one guy behind, make sure you tag him along. And that really stuck to me going into Maryland. And that just shows to me how, you know, the LaSalle culture really brought us into where I am today. So I'm, I'm really thankful with that. And uh, it translated all the way to Maryland. That's awesome. So just moving to the pros, I feel like it must be harder to kind of create that you know, that family atmosphere, that brotherhood. Um, I know in the MLL, it was more of just a weekend gig for a year or two for you. Um, But in the PLL and then being thrown into the recent bubble, you know, uh, what does being a great teammate mean or look like there? Right. It's, It's different from last year where everyone's together and we're not worried about anything. But now in the bubble with all this, uh, you know, 2020 is a crazy year with, you know, you know, Black Lives Matter with indigenous people, with um, the COVID. So everything is coming together and it's nothing that we really see or saw as a team. At least I haven't. But you see it from the outside. And I didn't realize some of my teammates that was so much, you know, controversy when they were, you know, outside of the bubble or outside of their life. So, you know, coming together and just seeing how some of my teammates were that were African-American or that they were native, you know, it actually brought our team so much stronger. And we got to hear stories before the bubble on Zoom. We would talk about, you know, some stuff that they've been through and what we've been through. And, you know, it's all the learning experience right now. And I think so many people right now, um, for example, myself, I lived with a Native American, Frank Brown, and, you know, just living with him, I learned so much about their culture that I didn't know. And I think it's not what we're taught in school, which sucks because, you know, they were the first ones here and they were the first ones in this country and they really taught it's the creator's game. It's their game of lacrosse. So for me to just learn so much stuff about their culture and I've been on his reservation a month ago or two months ago and just seeing how we lived and just seeing how, you know, the different cultures and how much they care about each other, how much their families are even tighter than our families and so like an open door policy and, you know, everyone celebrating everything together is, is really cool to come by. And I think, you know, a lot of this stuff, um, there's a lot of hate in this world, but I think lacrosse is, you know, really coming together and everyone's by each other's side with, you know, I think like 90% of the people wear BLM mat- patches on it just to support. For me, it was Ty Warner and Zed Williams and just showing the cultures that indifference that maybe I had that they had that I didn't realize, but from just learning maybe 
now I'm more sensitive to the subject and it, it was it was a great learning experience and I think that's one of the reasons why we won a championship was how much we learned and how much we came together for them and just for a team I love it yeah I think whether a cl team claims it or not they have a DNA like a a basic do not alter DNA, do right. not alter principles. And you know, at your time at LaSalle, we had them. Later after you left, we actually put them in the locker room. But you, do you remember what they were? One was to have fun. One to have fun. Two was to play with a conscience. When you choose to shoot sidearm, not you, but anybody, and right. miss the goal, how do you explain that to 33 other guys? Right. When you could have shot overhand, put it on the goal, and given us a chance to score. Did you have a sense of a conscience that you were responsible and how you chose to play to all those other guys? I remember And in my that. real cranky <laughs> moods, remember I'd go yeah. back and say, go apologize to every single guy, right. explain why you, all of a sudden, wanted, not you, but wanted to go shoot the way you wanted. <laughs> Probably, man. <laughs> Some of those guys that'd be like, really? It was 6'5", and you went wild just yeah. because you, number three was to be tough. Yeah. Whether we have to bounce back, how we ride reflected how tough we were. And then four was to compete. And that was Rush's big one, right? The game isn't complex. Run by people, you would say, yeah. and don't get run by. It's that simple. All was, the other X and O stuff is just getting too fancy Baltimore Bills. So yeah, give it a that's, that's kind of how it was in Maryland was competitiveness and compete and toughness. And Be the LaSalle, best, right? Yeah, LaSalle taught me toughness. And it's not physical toughness. It's mental toughness as well. You know, especially with that sidearm stuff. Right. About. Well, one of my favorite stories before we move on to our coaching segment, and you, I'm not sure you remember this, but I was right there, so I should have recorded this. Was when you were a oh, sophomore, man. maybe a junior, but I think you were a sophomore. We went down to Calvert Hall, my alma mater, remember? Oh, yeah. I and remember. so, Matt, game's about to start. Matt's right by the coaching box, and the Calvert Hall defenseman's right there. So I can, I can see all this. Yeah. And the Calvert Hall defenseman says something like, so you're the great Matt Rambo we've all been reading about. <laughs> And Matt says, well, I don't know about that. And he's humble. And he says, well, I'm whatever his name was, you know, Tom Johnson. And I'm right. going to Johns Hopkins and you're going to Maryland. I'm going to beat on you all day long. Oh welcome boy. below the Mason Dixon oh, line. Man. And it was a great moment for we you because it, that yeah. guy was ready and waiting for you to prove who he was. Waiting at midline for me. It was a little shock at first, but. Remember, you yeah. wanted to come out. And I'm like, that's not what we do. No. We're going to go back in there. He's going to throw the sink at you. You're going to throw the fridge at him. He's going to throw right. the pool at you. And at the end of the day, you're going to shake each other's hand and see where he ended up. Uh, that, that's one of the best things. There's a sink at me. You're going to throw yeah. the fridge. I like you always that. always had to talk. <laughs> Mental warfare that you got to win. Yeah. At the end of the day, you were like three and two, and yeah. he took it from you a couple of times, and he played well. And I remember his exact name, thing. but it was a yeah. great small competition while two teams went at it. And Matt had to stand toe to toe, and you were young. I mean, he was I a was senior. Really young, yeah. He was giving. He was, was ready. He was he ready. Was ready. Oh god! I think he had his picture up, your picture <laughs> up, in his bedroom all week waiting. Which moves us into our third segment, which is our X and O segment for coaches. And I wanted to focus on shooting because clearly you have a gift for shooting. But I'm wondering how much of that you were born with, how much you practiced as a youth, because um, so many guys throw the ball at the goal. That's not right. shooting. Can you explain to us what shooting is and then how you kind of mastered your craft? Uh, I'm not a shooter anymore. I'm a feeder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you have grown. <laughs> Distributor. So I was thing. a shooter. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I just think it's so much. It's just reps. And it's not just standing in front of the net at 10 yards. And we all tell this to our kids all the time. Stop standing in front of the net and shooting reps. And I had a bunch of buddies at Abington that all played really high-level lacrosse. And we would go out. And we would shoot on the run twenty four seven. How we would shoot in the how we would shoot in the game is what we would do in practice. 
I remember from like second grade all the way up to like eighth grade, I would be in my backyard shooting and pretending I was on some college team. And if I didn't hit the right spot with the four seconds left at the game winning goal, I would have to restart and do it over and over and over again. Or if I didn't hit the corner seven times in a row, so I think it's an art and I think it's a little bit of just, you know, it wasn't a gift. I didn't, I wasn't gift a good shooter. I had to learn how to be a good shooter and it just took years on years on years. And I'm still 26 years old and I'm practicing still three times a week just to be able to become, you know, perfect and I'm never going to be perfect and that's why I'm shooting for is to be perfect. And I know, no, I'm never going to be there, but it's just a goal that I'm going to be and, for me, you know, you got to look at the pipe, shoot the pipe, stop shooting. My biggest pet peeve is when one of my high school kids or coaches I coach shoots at a goalie's feet. It's the easiest spot for a goalie to save. It's either going to bounce and hit him in the chest or hit him in the foot. And once in a blue moon, maybe it'll get like a little five hole shot. <laughs> but my whole thing is don't shoot at the goalie's feet. Don't shoot at a stick and shoot pipes and shoot for net. And, you know, I, I don't know who taught me this. Maybe it was you or maybe you don't shoot at the net. You're shooting the ball to go make the ball go through the whole entire net. Stop. You know, so many people are shooting soft and being finesse. Like, if you have a shot, you rip it as hard as you can, and you should be confident in yourself. And it's almost to be muscle memory. So when I play my best, I know I'm not thinking. And when I'm thinking too much, then I'm gripping my stick too hard. Then I'm thinking about the perfect corner. Then I'm going to miss too. Then I'm pulling too hard and not snapping. So my whole thing is do the reps so you don't have to think about the shot. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a game winner goal where it's just repetition. Like when I played in the PLL championship and I shot that shot on the run, I didn't even remember the shot. There was so much adrenaline going on. The crowd was so crazy. I didn't even ask my dad when I got back. I was like, how did I even <laughs> score that last That's goal? That's awesome. And he was like, you ran up the hash and shot it off hip. And I was like, nice. all right, perfect. And like, <laughs> I didn't even know that because it was just muscle memory. And I just went to the net. So I think people have to stop thinking so much about like the perfect corner because the corner is great, the top corner. But guess what? The bottom corner counts just as much as the top corner. Yeah. I think so, you taught me that. So for coaches, right, shooting is a byproduct of stick work. They go together. And they need to be done every single day. Stick every work day. before practice, stick work at the end of practice when you're tired. Shooting when you're tired, also right. when you're fresh. And the shooting isn't just one drill, right? They're shooting on, from the inside. They're shooting in time and space. They're shooting on the run. They're shooting out, shooting out of a dodge. They're shooting while you're falling down. Like These right. are all areas that need to be practiced. They're all part of the art of shooting. At LaSalle, Maryland, we shot every single day. We did stick work right into shooting. With my kids at Chestnut Hill Academy, we shoot every single day. And, you know, we shoot for pipes. We don't shoot for the center. And we make sure that, you know, we're not we're not thinking. That's how Coach Tillman taught me. That's how you taught me. Just shoot with a purpose and shoot at the right time. And don't just throw the ball at the net. If it's not, you know, it's not the first shot. It's the best shot, too. It's nothing nothing I have to say here, guys. You're, uh, you're totally on point. I'm glad Matt brought his A game. Yeah, I will add my dad. So my dad's a Philly guy, not a lacrosse guy, right? So my dad moves to Philly after the Vietnam War and has a family, and I start playing lacrosse because it's a Baltimore thing to do. Right. So I'm out there shooting yeah. in our backyard, small Cockeysville, Maryland, back in the day when Cockeysville Rec was like the place to play. Oh, yeah. And I'd have my bucket, and my dad came out, not a lacrosse guy, and says, so the point of the bucket is 
And I'm like, to get a lot of reps in. He said, he said, yeah, but the, I'd rather sh see you shoot with one ball. So you have to go chase it every time you miss. Cause I think it's 36 square feet that you're missing. So he took my bucket away and gave me one ball. And I'd go out there with one ball and shoot. That's but pretty you, awesome. You don't miss. Cause then you got to go to the bushes. You break your neighbor's window. I'm sure, you I'm sure you weren't complaining about it's a greaser or grippy <laughs> ball either. Yeah, we didn't have greasers back then. But my wife's favorite play, just so you know, was no, no, yes. Oh, She'd yeah, say, yeah. Bill, whatever play you guys have is like amazing. <laughs> it's no, no, yes. I said, no, that's when I go, no, Matt, no, no. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're the best coaching <laughs> moments ever. You're like, oh, man. That shouldn't happen, but thank God it did. <laughs> and people would grab me. They're like, oh, that was just an amazing call. And you just have to be honest. You're like, that. I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. That was all Matt or Sean Coleman oh, or Sean Jeff Cymbalista. I mean, other guys, oh amazing gosh. guys. Harvard, Yale, and Maryland right there. And these, that was they go greatest. kind of off their own direction and make it happen because they were that talented. Yeah. So. We had fun. All right. So we'll move on to our roundtable discussion. Fire some questions at Matt. Get him, get him a little loose, talking, telling some stories about the old days. Hopefully, uh, let's start with the Abington Lacrosse Club. You mentioned ALC earlier. Uh, tell us about your start with the game and and your love. Yeah, I started the game um, when I was really little. My dad played lacrosse in high school, and he went to Albright to play football. And uh, he was transferring to Drexel to play lacrosse's. Uh, spring season but uh, my brother came along so he had to stop uh, going to college and he had to do what he had to do which you know I'm so grateful for him for that and he's my hero looking up for him and uh, to be able to just stop what he's doing and take care of a family is unbelievable but he's the one that introduced lacrosse to us and we started playing for Abington Lacrosse Club which I think is one of the greatest lacrosse clubs in the whole country with how many D1 and pros there are right now in the in the uh, PLL, MLL, the NLL, whatever it is, there's so, there's at Give least a, a couple. Of you Give know, you Tucker Durkin, you got myself, Ryan Ambler, Pafani, um, um, Mike Noon, Nico. Uh, what Nico? The Nico did play. Guy, but the, Forsters, the Forsters, Forsters all yeah. played together, and you know, there's so many guys that played, and above them, so many great guys that went to ALC that just you know played so at so many high college levels that I just think it's such a really great lacrosse club. And we all started with fundamentals. So for me, playing Aberdeen Lacrosse Club was playing for my dad or Mr. Ambler and occasionally Mr. Forster because I would play up a lot, which I'm thankful for because if I didn't play up, I don't know if I would be the player where I am today where when I was in third grade, I was playing with the fifth and sixth graders or when I was in fifth grade, I would be playing with the seventh and eighth graders. So for me, playing up was the best thing that could ever happen to me because I had an older brother that played and I always looked up to him and he was kind of a really powerful midi and, you know, I'm powerful as too, but I think I have a little bit more finesse in my game. So I kind of watched his buddy, Joey Jones and Joey Jones was one of the best attackmen I've ever seen in my life. And, he was doing behind the back I around the him. world and like fourth grade. So just watching a lot of these guys growing up was unbelievable. But I think it just starts with like Mr. Ambler and my dad and Mr. Forster just really teaching the fundamentals of the game of lacrosse. And they're the guys that used to throw their sticks and flip out at us if we would <laughs> throw a sidearm pass or a sidearm shot and missed it. So fundamentals was such a big key to us. And that's why we're all so great at the game of lacrosse because – it's the fundamentals that make us so great. So for me, it's the fundamentals. I used to look up to the Forster brothers and 
Brian Ambler's older brother. Colin Ambler was a great attackman. Um, you know, then you look at just like the whole Philadelphia area. And I used to watch Johnny Christmas at Virginia. And I always, I always loved to watch Mikey Powell, even though he's a New York yeah, who, guy. Who else were like your favorite players when you were a young buck? I liked, I liked Mikey Powell. I actually did like John Grant Jr. too, because he was always doing something you know, differently. And, you know, I was introduced to him later in my high school years. And when I started to use my body more instead of running by speed, um, I started watching John Grant Jr. a little bit. And awesome. it's unbelievable that he played last year at 40 yeah. something years old. And, uh, yeah, it, it's great. It does my heart good to hear you say fundamentals, fundamentals oh. over and over again. The hard part as I got older was, you know, fundamentals teaching them are boring. Kids don't want to do it. It's not social media. It's not fast. You can't just click it. But the truth is that's where greatness lies, right. being fundamentally sound. So finding creative ways to do it and, and later years putting on the music you practice. But it got harder and harder because it is. It's it, kind of boring. It's definitely hard for me to teach, especially at these clinics and stuff. Just teaching the right way to throw an overhand pass and not drop in your shoulder so much is such a – such a pain and it should be taught at like a first through fourth grade That's level right. so i'm convinced that when you get to about 14 however they throw can't be fixed Right. It's like playing the piano. It's too gone. If you play it wrong by 14, that's how you play it. I love the yes and no passes and you bringing that up on here and doing that with the younger guys and get them saying yes. If it's a great pass, then yes, no, and thank you. We yes, said no, yes, thank you. no, yeah. and thank you. And one push up. Yep. When you knew you threw it poorly, just go give yourself one push up. Coach doesn't have to say anything in. I just look over and. I had a parent write me a note that we had a good practice the other day with the little guys and they liked how I was holding myself accountable doing push-ups because I was hopping in drills and if I'm on my right hand, it's a little shaky. Uh, so I was doing some push-ups. Um, so Matt, uh, from ALC, as I remember, you were at Abington High School for at least a year or two and got to play with your brother and had maybe a playoff run there. And then right. you ended up at LaSalle with Coach Leahy and Coach Rash and Coach Forrester. So talk us through high school and... <laughs> And how that happened. Yeah, high school was great. I stayed a year at Abington to play with all my buddies, my older brother, which was a dream come true. And we had a really good game versus LaSalle in the playoffs. And it might make me sound like a sellout, but <laughs> um, we lost to them in overtime. And there's a huge face-off problem that was going on. But the, either way, it was such a great battle between public school and LaSalle, which is a, a Catholic private school, which it was like uh, everyone knew each other on the team. It was yeah. all neighborhood guys, and we all loved each other off the field, on the field. It should be a battle. It should be competitive. I don't care if you're my best friend, Austin Pafani, yeah. but when I'm playing against you versus the Atlas, I'm going to try and rip your head off, just like he's going to do the same thing to me. He's going to try and kill me. So it was such a great thing. And then I remember that summer – um, I started getting a lot, a lot of recruiting letters. Sure. Um, you know, as a ninth grader, I was getting a lot of attention from all the top D1 schools. And my whole thing wasn't about could I play at these D1 schools. It was more can I do the schoolwork there. And I knew Abington was a good public school, but I wasn't the best student. And Coach Leahy knows I wasn't the best student. But, you know, that's another time. But, you know, a lot of people think I was – heavily recruited by Coach Rash, Coach Leahy, and Coach Forcer. I just went and played a Brian shootout uh, thing. The Brian shootout used to be um, every high school team would bring to a national showcase. LaSalle went. We won it. I love the guys. I love the team. I love Coach Forcer. He's been my mentor 
since I've been in 10th grade and he really was, you know, saying not just, you know, he had a very similar background to me. I think we both were kind of, I guess, a little bit, little, you know, a little bit something <laughs> bad, mischievous a little bit. But at the same time, we love the game. I both of you. I'm going to stay out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> We were just, we were just, you know, we just had fun and we loved the game. And um, I always took school second when I should have took it first. But, you know, when I went to LaSalle and Coach Leahy, you know, brought me on, it was more about, you know, school is really important. You got to take care of it or you're not going to be able to go to Maryland or any of these top schools that are recruiting you. So, you know, it was great to go to Abington with all my buddies. I loved it. But my decision to go to LaSalle wasn't just for lacrosse even though we did play a national schedule for more of a maybe to go to a, a top school, but it was more just so I could be prepared for college, and I'm thankful because it really helped. Were you prepared academically? I I think so. I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Land lacrosse-wise, mm-hmm. we knew you were ready. Yeah. I'd love to hear from, from your eyes, Coach Leahy. I remember Matt at that time was – a superstar and everyone knew it for a couple of years coming into high school and similar to John Christmas where when you were in seventh or eighth grade you were playing with the best high school kids and talking smack to them and doing well so I think you knew where lacrosse could take you but it sounds like you know school and kind of finding discipline and being a part of something bigger at LaSalle was was really what what made you right um, so Bill it'd be awesome to hear you know, what, what was uh, young Matt like coming to LaSalle? And oh, I getting, remember, uh, getting him to homeroom on time was brutal. <laughs> oh. Remember that? Eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what? I'm in school. Like, you got to be in your chair, in your room. I had some older guys drive me to school. <laughs> we'll yeah. use that excuse. But I thought the biggest moment was, again, that Calvert Hall game. Because so- your sophomore year, we were kind of rebuilding. We just had a great run. Right. We had guys who were, we knew were good, but we were all young. And young is still young. And then we yeah. lost to the prep, I believe, in the Catholic League Championship. We well-deserved. I mean, they played really well. We didn't play a bad game. They were just bigger, stronger, older. They were really well-coached, and they got us that day. But after that, from that point forward, we were a tough group of guys who stayed together for a year. I mean, it was great getting smacked in the face as a young kid, you know, playing lacrosse, losing the prep, losing the Calvert Hall, I think. Did we lose? Or yeah, we, we lost, we the, lost Calvert the Calvert Hall. We lost a bunch of games, and it was good because that next year we had so much fire. That's kind of how it was at Maryland for us. So it was great to get smacked in the face as a young guy. We we weren't we had no business in being in some of these games, but we just fought hard. So, what's what stands out? Uh, maybe phrases from Coach Rash, Coach Leahy, or you know mantras of the program that you carry with you today. Um, I I mean we did so much fundamental stuff, and I I keep talking about fundamentals, but it yeah. was keep fundamentals, talking. fundamentals, fundamentals. You know, you shoot a sidearm, it better be a good shot, you know. And I and I don't hate on my kids that shoot sidearm. It better be the right time. Or if you need to throw a sidearm pass, like Granamet throws great yeah. sidearm passes, and that's great. And I like to take some sidearm passes, and that's great to skip through. But it has to be at the right time, and you, you can't start doing that stuff until you get great at your fundamentals if you're not great at throwing overhand then you can't be throwing sidearms and you know I always thought it was great with coach Leahy you know before games he used to say look to the right and look to the left of you you're not playing for yourself you're playing for these guys and that really stuck out to me and uh, I didn't get to spend too much time with coach Resch because he was down at the DN but all I know is you don't get him a little angry or you're gonna be scared (laughs) 
Did you have a favorite memory of our years together and then maybe a least favorite? <laughs> Winning the championship was great. We came all together. We celebrated. It was my senior year. We were so dominant that year. Um, we didn't have Sean for the beginning. I we think we finished second in the nation, but we didn't have Sean Coleman. We didn't have beginning. Sean Coleman at the beginning of the year. Lost a couple. We lost early. one game when Coach Leahy wasn't there at our game versus Gilman. And, you know, you lose your top, your leader. He's a commander. He's our leader. Um, you know, you lose some edge. You lose some, you know, organization and everything. I love going on the Navy ship trip. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Coach Rush still gives me a hard time. So we had a culture team bonding by going to sleep on the battleship New Jersey. That's cool. Yeah. Coach Rush didn't <laughs> fit in the bunks. <laughs> he was too tall. Yeah. I was telling the story. He kept story saying, we're really going to go home? I'm like, no, we're spending the night on this battleship. We were telling the story the other day about it to a couple of my buddies how – I think it was me and Sean Coleman left the bunk bed area because it was like the heater was on <laughs> and we went to the air conditioning area and one of the generals on the ship found us and we all had to wake <laughs> up and it was, it was bad, but like you know, story. it was a great, it was a great experience to learn the whole ship and you know, and I didn't realize like, all right, I can't sleep in this hot bump bag. I'm going to go over there. And he was like, that's not what we do here. And it just actually brought us closer as a team. And like what one person does wrong affects the whole group. So that affected the whole group. Everyone had to wake up. Everyone had to make sure they were there. So it actually was a more of a culture bonding and give us accountability to actually learn. So we did a lot of culture things. It was great. We would play basketball. We would do all, oh, We had our fun. team neighborhood. Remember we had team neighborhood. So every neighborhood played on their team. So the, the Newtown guys yeah. were, were on Newtown basketball for the winter. And the Abington guys were on the, the Flower Town guys and the Glenside guys. And yeah. they had a whole league, a league schedule. And we'd show up like at 5.30, 6 in the morning oh. and play to the death on the league schedule. So it might be you knew it was Newtown versus Flower Town. And you knew Glenside then played Collegeville. <laughs> we're sm talking smack throughout the day about basketball and we're not good at basketball. No, and we actually went to the championship. The championship, I forget, but I know it was Newtown versus somebody. But it wasn't my team. The game was so <laughs> intense that we all ran late into homeroom. Yeah, and we were all late, so we yeah. all got detention. So I went and joined them. I figured <laughs> yeah. I have to go to detention too. Yeah. I could just tank it off the hook. It's we great. had fun. I think the best memory with Coach Leahy was uh, we lost to Conestoga. I think five four six five, and we had a terrible shooting game. So Coach Tillman took a couple guys that didn't score. Actually, were like 0 for five. So you just called him Coach Tillman. Or Coach to compliment Coach yeah. Leahy, and uh, he stood on the end line and had some guys uh, <laughs> shoot balls at him and make an try to make him hit him. He's like, "Hit me!" I've heard you this can't one. hit me, and they couldn't hit him. And he was like, "Exactly. If you were a good shooter, you could hit me because awesome. you're shooting sidearm. You're not shooting <laughs> overhand. You shoot overhand and." aimed at me it was That's and he classic. made us run really crazy days Shooting he made coach. us run all practice but at the next day he apologized that <laughs> lost my mind he lost his mind and he should have acted that way and it's wow. a, and something that we can classic. learn from and we end up being you know one of the best team of the country so and stuff you like guys that. shot amazingly the next oh, game so it was yeah, not an issue the problem was, was fixed yeah I instantly I, watched, I wish uh, I had the chance you know to maybe shoot one at him but he wouldn't <laughs> let me <laughs> I watched the rebroadcast where you guys got together to celebrate the state championship. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think Bill told me, like, hey, it's good for about 15 minutes and the game's out of control and it's just the LaSalle guys joking around and inside jokes. So maybe that's where I heard that story. Yeah. But it sounded oh, like you guys so had fun. some fun. Adam, Shaw, and Jeff were the ones. <laughs> yeah. And Adam's a BU or BC. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, Jeff is Yale. So yeah. look at how they turned out. It was great. 
All right, let's move away from our LaSalle memory, walk down memory lane. Um, so Maryland, right? They lose a couple national championships. You finally get us, get one. Right. Talk us through that. The losing years. <laughs> the losing years were hard, but it came back. We came back hungrier. We, I don't know if we really had any business being there my sophomore year. We were not ranked, and somehow we got there. But that just shows how much Tillman, Coach Tillman, really prepares us for. And that's his whole thing is prepare us and be ready for every game, whatever they throw at us. So we were always prepared. So we were excited to be at that game. Denver played great. Trevor Baptiste, Westberg, and their goalie. I forget who their goalie was. He might have been a Philly guy at the time. And uh, he played out of his mind. Um, was it Alex Reddy? It might have been. Kid? It might have been Alex Reddy. I'm not sure, but I just know he played out of his mind. Um, you know, we came back our my junior year. We were ready. You know, we we had very good control of that game against UNC, right in yeah, the link, my classic. hometown. I was averse. Pafani is my best friend since I've been in third grade. We lived down the street together. We've been hanging out. He lives down the street from me in the city now. So, you know, it's, it was great. I was so happy for him. And, um, you know, my senior year was just different. Coach Tillman gave us more freedom, I would say. We gave us more freedom uh, since we had so many, like Isaiah Davis Allen, Colin Heacock. Some of these guys were captains as juniors. And then now they're captain as seniors. We There wasn't the two-time captains like that on the teams I was in the past. So being that said, going into the senior year, we knew what was going to have done. We were the best freshman class going to Maryland, and we were is either you make it or you're bust, and I wasn't going to try and leave Maryland without a national championship. So that year, you know, winning a state championship was amazing feeling. Winning a national championship for uh, Maryland was the best feeling I've ever had today's day. Um you know, just so much time you put with this team and, you know, the yelling, the love, the blood, sweat, tears, the happiness, the ups and downs, you know, the lifting at six in the morning for the last four years. And finally, you achieve the goal that you've been trying to achieve your whole life. You know, as a little kid, you finally do it. You know, that was the first and the only time I actually had tears of happiness. And I and I would say that's probably going to be the best day of my life until you know, something else <laughs> better comes up, maybe like a kid or I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not sure what happens there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just it was such a great feeling of just accomplishing such a, a goal for a lifetime that words can't really describe it. So for me, uh, it was great. So at Maryland, you grew, I thought, in two main ways, one being lacrosse player and you right. actually mentioned it earlier and I thought that was watching you from a distance and watching you on TV go from a shooter to a feeder right and the other one was watching you go for from a young man uh, from a boy to a young man yeah so could you talk mature. about both a little <laughs> bit about your maturity as a as a person and your maturity <laughs> as a lacrosse player yeah becoming a man for others and how you learn to feed the ball yeah I mean definitely for the feeding wise and just being a complete lacrosse player was just I'm not a lefty scorer and having Shannon Chuck do all the work anymore. <laughs> I have to do a lot of the work. And uh, they gave me number one, which is a legacy number. And Coach Tillman gave me a lot of faith and hope in me, being the guy on offense, being the quarterback. And uh, every day we would practice just working on feeding. I knew a lot of guys were coming to slide a lot earlier. I can't run through double teams like I could in high school or triple teams anymore. I'm going to have to learn how to feed. And I think every year since my sophomore year, my numbers went up and up and up feeding. And, it, and that's probably the best thing that happened to me because in the pros, a lot of times I get a lot of – attention so I feed and I feed and feed 
But I think the best thing in Maryland that happened to me was just to grow up mature-wise. You know, Coach Tillman doesn't – obviously, he loves the game of lacrosse, and he loves winning and wants us to be the best lacrosse players. But, you know, our motto, be the best, isn't about being the best lacrosse player. Our motto, be the best, about being the best person you can be. Be the best friend, be the best husband, be the best son, be the best at everything you do and make sure that today is better than what you did yesterday. And if it's not, then tomorrow is going to be better. So for me, it was just trying to be a better person to mature. Um, I definitely was immature going to college. I think I'm a, I'm not fully matured yet, but I definitely have fun. But uh, I'm definitely a lot way more mature but I think that's just you know taking care of freshmen taking care of sophomore as a senior and junior you know you're not a little guy anymore you're not you know you as a freshman and sophomore you can get away with some mistakes but as your third or fourth year at Maryland you shouldn't be making those mistakes anymore and that comes off the field and that comes on the field so for me you know a lot of guys in college can get away with maybe not picking up the ground ball and moving to two as a freshman because he's it's not built in his brain yet. But me as a senior, if I didn't do that, that's that's a problem. And that's, you know, that's maturing, that's mental toughness, that's mental awareness that you have to adapt to the game and adapt to the coaches because, believe it or not, the coaches usually know the best. <laughs> I'm walking out right now. <laughs> that's it. That's all she wrote. Oh, that's great. Um, so, Matt, uh, you know, great job kind of talking us through. When I was writing notes, I wrote Terps, the chase. I felt like your whole career was just a chase for that championship. Right. A chase to just say, yeah, I am the best. Um, and it was unbelievable watching your career and the way you guys dissected defenses. So when you got to celebrate and then you graduated and then you got the, to Wartan, and I feel like, did the women's team win too? Was yeah, it just a big won, party on they campus? Won, they won that. Yeah, um, I had a big side yard. Yeah. And uh, – I mean, after we won the championship, we took a plane, a private plane from Boston back to Maryland. We went to Bentley's. That's our spot yeah, at shot. Maryland. <laughs> and uh, I remember waking up the next morning and people, my room was the only room on the ground floor. And I have a side door to my backyard, a side yard, which is huge. And all I, all I had was like a knock. And I'm like, who is knocking at like seven in the morning? I look out, it's like the whole women's lacrosse team, <laughs> our whole guys lacrosse team. There's a bunch of tables ready party to play time. like party. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> but it happened for a, a couple of days and it was great. We deserved it, you know, as much as, you know, we were all of age that partied, yeah. but we deserved it. We, we put our bodies through a lot. And especially during the playoff time, we're not drinking, we're not you know, doing anything to, you know, really hurt our bodies. We're not drinking soda. Sure. I don't drink. A lot of times I don't drink soda now. And it's just putting our bodies in the right spot. And especially for the playoffs, you got to be in tip top shape. You got to be ready in any kind of heat. So for us, you know, we deserve the party a little bit. I love going through all your major accomplishments. And, you know, you've <laughs> made me, Coach Rash, Coach Forrester, LaSalle community. Right. Way proud. So, appreciate so maybe that. a different question slightly challenging maybe not despite all these accomplishments the one thing missing is team usa right on the agenda it's on the agenda i got to play team usa box but my whole goal is to play team usa indoor or outdoor um i got invited my senior year to play i did the trial for a couple of days and um I knew I was going to make the spot squad so i went to the espies instead of doing the last day of tryouts which you know, sometimes I wish I'm like, should I stay that last day to maybe I crush it and be on it? Or I got to do 
a once in a lifetime thing with the SPs and I'm happy me and my dad went and did the red carpet thing. And, um, he went to school at Eddie George at Abington and he used to drive them to school. They're both from North Hills. So they rekindled a little bit. So it was such a great moment for my dad and me to really bond. And we're so close already to begin with. Um, that that was awesome, but you know I get asked every winter to play for two Team USA going up to this uh, to the next games. But a lot of times I'm playing box. But yeah, I've had lots of talks with Coach Zanowski and Coach Tierney, and uh, that's my that's my next goal was to get a gold with Altor and get a NLL championship. Well, Coach Rush and I would love to welcome oh, you to that club. It is just an experience to wear the USA jersey and hear them play the national anthem and, and hear them play other na- anthems. Oh, it's beautiful. The entire experience. And the rules are different. The quarters are longer and there's a variety Bigger of rules feel. that are a little bit different. And yeah. Yeah, it'll be great for you. I'm excited. No I'm yeah. excited. Hopefully they've been watching the last couple of years. <laughs> We've talked. <laughs> yeah. All right, to move to the indoor game a little bit. Yeah. Tell us about your wings experience and your transition. Yeah, I mean, you I got... moved a little faster than I thought you would. I, I got drafted to the Blackwells, Brett Manny's team. Um, when I graduated uh, college, I said, I don't want to I don't want to uh, play right away. I want to go live in California with my best friend, Heacock, and do a whole Cali nice. clinic tour from San Francisco all the way to San Diego. We did that for like three months. And I came back, and I remember that summer the Wings called me, and Coach Day was like, listen, if we draft you, are you going to play? I was like, if you guys draft me, I'll do anything I can to be on the field. This is my dream. I watched the Wings so many times as a young kid. Our ALC used to go there when I was in fourth grade all the way to eighth grade. We'd go to all the games at the top, and we'd get boosts out. I was like, I'll do whatever I can to be on the team. And I have great mentors like Kevin Crowley, Jordan Hall, uh, my coach TK. They just helped me involved in this game. And pretty much Coach Day was like, Listen, I know you never played a box game in your life, or you even played boxing when you're little. You're good enough. You have the skill set. You just got to learn. So I was studying film. My roommate was Blaze Reardon. He's a lefty uh, on the left side, too, offense. So we watched film together. We would go to the Wings facility and just learn pick and rolls because it's such a totally different game. I personally think it's two different sports. And a lot of people don't think that. They're like, lacrosse, lacrosse. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> it's it not. is totally different. But, um, you know, he pretty much said, you're going to be playing this year. You better figure out this game real fast. And uh, it's been unbelievable for me. I think without this box game the last two years, I don't think I have the PLL seasons that I do now because my feeding's better, my shooting's better, my footwork's better, my body position's better, stick protection's better. And that's all because of box. You have a little window to feed. You have little net to shoot on. There's so many guys around you in a tight spot. Your stick protection better be good. It's such a physical game, and I'm a physical guy. I have to be better physically. So I think box has made my game go tremendously uphill just from playing, and I think the box arena is a better atmosphere than the outdoor arena, and the fans are better. The fans are louder. They're all into it. It's a tiny arena. It's way louder. The music's on. So for me – I love it because it's a challenge to me because I've only been playing for two years now in my whole life, and I'm trying to be the best, and obviously I have goals in the indoor that I want to do that. I might never reach, but I'm going to reach for them. And for me, 
it's 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 awesome to be challenged like this in lacrosse because I thought I was I knew everything about lacrosse as a 24 year old guy. Now I'm getting thrown in stuff at box. I'm like, I don't even know how to do a right pick and roll right now because of indoor. And you it's talk insane. about fundamentals, right? The fundamentals of setting a pick and roll correctly. Oh my gosh! From a Canadian perspective, with a whole new vocabulary of oh, how to do things. Uh, it's hard to understand sometimes, but it's so hard if you open up and you don't go towards the net and you go a little bit towards the bar. They're gonna the board. They're gonna start screaming at you you have to have the fundamentals and that's why i love watching canadians play they're all their sticks are right up by their ear 24 7 it's just because of box and i wish i played as a younger age in philly but we didn't have it and it's just starting to get big now so i'm happy that it's growing and growing and growing because i do think it's a different sport yeah i love about the box is that everything's magnified there's nowhere to run there's nowhere to hide your passes better be on target right your transition game to the box in and out subbing better be good the Canadian will get you if you're slow at that and screw it up. If you don't get back and you're on that far side, it's a fast break for the other team. So you got to be careful. And the riding, it doesn't really show. So it's a great game. Yeah, I loved when you got to the office today and you were chirping Brett about the Wings versus the Black Wolves and how you did last game. Um, can you give me one defender or opponent in the indoor and the outdoor game that challenges you? <laughs> I'm not saying Brett Manny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Brett Brett's a great defenseman and he's always on the left on my left side and I have trouble go against him. We bump heads a lot. There's another guy, Rubish, on Saskatchewan that's Team Canada, MVP, everything that you can wish for a defenseman that's so great. Um he's super hard to go against. Outdoor. Um I think the outdoor guys, you know, I could name so many and it depends on the type of day. Like Tucker Durkin's really hard to go against, and I've been going against him a lot lately, and we work out together in the offseason. He lives two streets away from me, and he was actually over today. He rode his bike by my place and stopped in and hung out and for a little bit. Um, awesome Pafani, knew me since third grade. It's really hard to go against him. But I also think Garrett Apple's really hard to go against. He's a big body guy, and I'm a body guy, so I think it's he's a really hard guy, Notre Dame guy, Calvert Hall guy. So – you know, those three guys are super hard to go against. Um, but a lot of times nowadays it's, you know, schemes, uh, especially for the pros, if I know a team is going to slide early and whatnot. So, you know, that's really hard. And going against Coach Resch's off uh, defense is pretty hard to go against too with the archers. Who's the best offensive player in the game not named Matt Rambo and why? Um. Oh, man, that's so hard. I mean – I think Lyle Thompson, he's not a PLL guy, so I don't really care. I think he's the best. I think he's the best player. He's at the top of the game, indoor and outdoor MVP candidates for both leagues. His fundamentals, his creativeness, his quickness, his strength is is really, really, is really unbelievable. So he's really good. So I love watching him. Tom Schreiber does. Crazy passes, crazy shots. It's it's really hard to defend, and I also love my boy Zed Williams. Yeah, he's a beast. He is the best shooter I played with. He is the best guy to be off ball. I just throw the ball, he catches it and shoots it and finishes. Made my life a lot easier in the PLL, and a lot of people had um, doubts about our attack line this year, and I did not. Neither did Zed, and we became like the best duo in uh, professional lacrosse right now. So I'm very happy with that. Awesome. Uh, one last question somebody sent us through social media for you. Who motivates you? Um, 
I think that's such a hard question. I don't think anyone really motivates me. I think it's kind of, I think maybe everyone motivates me. I want to be the best, but I think who motivates me is my teammates. Um, I don't want to let my teammates down. I don't want to have a bad game, but if I do have a bad game, I know they're going to pick me up. But all I want to do is make sure my teammates are happy how I play with, and it's not about the goals and the assists I have. It's about how hard I play, and I never want to uh, let someone down. And that started with LaSalle. That started through Maryland. You know, it doesn't matter how many goals or assists you have. It's how hard you play and the respect you get from your teammates. So, me, it's just doing the right thing for my teammates. And if everyone's doing the right thing, most likely your team's going to come out with a victory. All right, Matt, we're bringing this home with, as I always say, my favorite segment. And that's our rapid-fire next home run. Let's go! So I'm going to give you a couple prompts, and you're going to tell us quickly what the homework assignment All is. Right. Got this? Got it. Shot clock. You ready? Yep. All right. Homework for players. Uh, work on your fundamentals. Stop watching all the sidearm and underhand shots. 90% of shots in a game is overhand, so start doing some good fundamentals. Make me proud. Again, yeah. parent homework. Parents. Uh, parents' homework for me is enjoy the game of lacrosse. Stop being all in your kids or coaches or college coaches' is, you know, maybe face, you know, to be – to say politely, just enjoy the game. Have fun with it. Enjoy your kid. Watch them grow. Um, don't be too hard on them all the time. There's definitely times to be hard on them. But enjoy the game. Not everyone's going to have a good day all the time. So relax, enjoy the game, and just have fun with it. It's such a beautiful, fun game. And enjoy the other parents and have fun with them. Homework for coaches who are listening. For me, the coaches is just, uh, you know, you know, trust the process. And I think for me, for coaches is your kids are not going to get, you know, where they want to be during the season. I think if you want to be a great coach, you got to take the kids and de develop them on the off season. Your kids are not going to get better stick work during the season. You're going to get their sticks better during the off season. So for me, develop them if it's once or twice a week, even if they're playing other sports. Try and grab your kids and just try and just develop them on the off season. So when they go into the uh, end season, they're ready to go. What are you reading and listening to these days? I just read a. Jack Nicholas book about lowering my golf score a little bit and how to manage a <laughs> golf course. But, uh, and I'm just listening to some Joe Rogan podcasts and very interesting. He has great, you know, people on there like Elon Musk was great one. And he just has great points that, you know, maybe I don't see the world and maybe some other people do that are, you know, very successful or billionaires that I would love to just hear their life. So it's been pretty good and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Matt. You were great to have. It was good uh, to see you again. Thanks, Coach. Coach yeah. Leahy, thank you. Coop coached me a lot at Dukes, too. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. It was awesome to have you. Uh, we're glad you made the trip out to Conshohocken uh, to bless our new office. Uh, it was humbling to talk to you, but I think the points you made are really going to resonate and help our, our players, our parents, and our coaches out there. Um, and I really love the way that you know, everything comes back to the fundamentals. Fundamentals so. and having fun with the game. Don't forget to have fun. Absolutely. So uh, with that, for uh, Matt Rambo, um, who I'll say it, he's the best in the game right now. Let's be honest. Uh, Coach Leahy and our producer, Justin, will close this thing out from Concha Hawken. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, bud, you killed it. You did great. Proud of you. Proud of you.
tight ship over here. <laughs> <laughs>